If you are listening to this, hi, welcome. Thanks for joining me. My name is Emily, the host of this podcast, Energy with Emily, where we cover all things health and what that means to you, whether that be food, exercise, your relationship with your body, mental health, we cover it all. And I've been wanting to have more guests on this show just to get other people's stories out there, start different conversations about topics that maybe aren't discussed enough. And I think that the topic today is something a lot of you will be able to gain something from. So my guest on this episode, her name is Ellen Neltner. She is a former collegiate swimmer and is currently receiving her master's in nutrition science at UC. Go Bearcats! (laughs) Ellen really discusses her journey as a former athlete and what that transition looked like to her. She's also currently completing her thesis right now and her research revolves around life after sport as an athlete. So some main things that we talk about today are just how different life can be for athletes after they're finished with their sport. They may lose this sense of identity Um, accountability, that schedule. They may not know how to cook. Their body may change and that might lead to disordered eating or exercise, or maybe they don't know what exercise feels good to them because they've been playing a sport their whole life. And I think it's really interesting some of the points she brings up and she even lists some tips at the end for athletes regarding how they can make that transition a little easier. Even if you are not an athlete, I think that you can still gain a lot from this episode because we do cover things regarding, you know, your relationship with food, exercise, intuitive eating, and how the different phases of life we go through are meant to, we're not meant to stay the same size or look the same way or be going through the same things. And that's, that's okay. And I think Ellen does a really nice job of covering that throughout that episode. And I think you guys are really going to like her. So I have a very special guest on the podcast today. Welcome, Ellen. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. So I think that this episode is going to resonate with a lot of people, especially if you are an athlete currently looking to become um, a collegiate athlete or you're a former former athlete, this will resonate with you because I think we're going to talk about a lot of the aspects that have to do with not playing a sport anymore. And even if you aren't an athlete, I think we're still going to cover just like that relationship that you may have with your body or exercise or food. Um, But before we do, just jump into our whole conversation. Ellen, can you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Like, where are you from? Are you in school? What do you study? All that good stuff. Yes, of course. So I'm from Northern Kentucky. Um, So if you're local, if you're in Cincy, not too far away, um, I... Well, you know, this is part of like what we'll talk about, but I've always identified myself like I'm a swimmer, Um, but I'm a former swimmer now turned cycle bar fanatic, love cycle bar. I 
now I'm getting my master's at UC. So I'm getting that in nutritional sciences. I'm wrapping that up here soon, fingers crossed. And then I will go on to do my supervised practice and then take the RD exam. So yeah, I swam in college um, and my research actually is on former athletes. So I've really, really like just completely devoted the past two and a half years to researching this population and seeing how this transition from being a collegiate athlete to going into real life um, and just like seeing what that looks like. So yeah, I'm super excited to talk about it. Nice. So not only are you currently doing the research on it, but you also, you're a former athlete yourself. So you have that personal experience to kind of go off of as well. Yes, that is 100% what led me to do this. Um, I remember sitting in my advisor's office and she was like, okay, so it's about that time. Like, what is your topic going to be for your thesis? And I'm sitting there. I had some ideas that I was dabbling around with. And in my personal life, I was dealing with the challenges of being a former athlete, you know, behind the scenes. I was feeling my body the way I was when I was swimming, but now I wasn't swimming and I was feeling full and then hungry and I was confused and I didn't know what kind of exercise felt good for my body. So I just came to her and I said, this might be weird. And I know that no one's really studied this here, but can I do this? And she was like, yeah, no one has ever done that. So I kind of, I want to say paved the way. And I'm really hoping that students after me in the program will also want to research it. Oh, that's awesome. What do you hope to do um, after you, you graduate, you finish this thesis and you take the RD exam? Yeah, yeah. So I really, truly think that this is the niche um, I want to continue with. This is where I want to be. So ideally, I would open my own private practice. And if you're local, I could see you in person. Um, if you're not local, I think that virtual counseling is a great option as well. Um, and I would love to also do like speaking events. So I would love to go to colleges and talk to these athletes before they graduate and really bring up some important topics like your relationship with food, the relationship with your body and exercise and how this might change, um, your identity as an athlete and how that is inevitably going to change. So I think doing speaking events like that would be super, super fulfilling and also would hopefully help these athletes out in their transition um, so yeah, opening private practice, speaking events. Um, I don't know. There's a lot on my mind, so we'll see. Check back. <laughs> Check back yeah, in the that's, <laughs> that's super exciting. And I loved how you said, um, going into public speaking. I think that that's really interesting because again, you can share your story and I think that athletes, I'm not an athlete, so I can't really speak for this, but I'm taking sports nutrition right now or exercise nutrition. And we are learning about like the eating disorders and disordered eating um, that athletes struggle with, especially because there's ways you need to fuel your body for sports. And like, you might not look a certain way, but you need to perform. Right. And I think that that's where like a lot of the struggles come in with, with relationship with food and things like that. Um, and then kind of what happens after you you're done with that sport. Right. So Absolutely. that's what we're going to cover. And I'm super excited to talk about it, but I do have a fun little question for you that I I'm trying to ask all my guests. Okay. So what has been giving you energy lately? Yes. I love this question. Um, so I was thinking about this earlier and I think that, you know, sometimes you need rest that obviously gives you some more energy. Sometimes you, 
you have to sit down and have a balanced meal that gives you energy. But I think for me right now, what's been super life-giving is just having conversations like this. I felt like, you know, with the weather, when it was like dreary out and the pandemic, like it's just so easy to get in a rut and almost question like, am I doing the right thing? Just because you're not waking up as excited every day, just for, you know, external reasons. So when that happens, I have tried so hard to talk to a friend that has similar passions. Like this podcast, for example, like whenever I talk to people about nutrition or exercise or feeling your body or just health and wellness, I leave and I'm so excited. Like I, it's like you have like this um, passion, this feeling like your, your passion is fueled all over again. And so I think just having meaningful conversations and like making connections is super life-giving. Yeah. And I, I can kind of relate to that just because I mean, you're farther along in, in your, your journey with, you know, your, your schooling than I am, but I still, I think I want to do what you do to some extent, maybe not work with the same type of people, but kind of do my own thing eventually. And I think that that can be hard if you always have to be like on top of things, you have to motivate yourself. You know, you might not have that outside accountability. And even if it is just like schoolwork or getting out of the house or going to the gym or posting on your account, like getting your name out there, it can be hard to always stay motivated. So engaging with others that are maybe like struggling with the same thing or passionate about the same thing could help to kind of fuel that fire again. Right. Cause you know, it's there. It's just, sometimes you got to light it back up again. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So, okay. I, I want to now kind of get into what we're going to be talking about today. And again, not, maybe not all these listeners are going to be athletes or if they are an athlete now, they might not know what life is going to look like for them after the sport. So can you just describe what you mean when you say that you're an advocate for athletes like after their sport or what it even looks like for them to return to normal life? Yeah. So I think that's a really good question because that is kind of confusing. People are like, what do you mean normal life? And, um, I put it in quotes because, you know, it is kind of a weird term, but I think really what we mean is athletes live a very structured routine lifestyle where your alarm goes off at the same time every day. There's people holding you accountable. There's coaches that are expecting you to be there and do your best. You have athletic trainers. You might have dietitians on staff. You have resources, right? Um, But then when we're retiring from sport, literally within a second, once you, you know, touch the wall. So I was a swimmer. (laughs) Once you touch the wall on your last race, once you, um, you know, run your last race, whatever sport you're doing, all those resources are gone, you know? And that's really, really difficult because you've had that for so long, right? If you were lucky enough to do your sport for four years, then you got used to it. You probably relied on it, which is okay. Um, you utilize them. And then within the blink of an eye, they're gone. So we really need to do a better job. I think in, in healthcare in just society too, of being accepting and helping these this population of young 20-year-olds go from this structured routine lifestyle to all of a sudden being on their own because this population specifically is at such a high risk for disordered eating, um, full-blown eating disorders, um, just feelings of like body dysmorphia, feeling the need to over-exercise to keep looking a certain way. And 
when, I mean, young 20 year olds are already at risk for that just because of the age. But then when you throw on the stress, um, component, and then you also throw on a life change, it's just, it's crazy. And it's showing in literature actually that they're around three to four times more likely to develop an eating disorder during this transition. So I think that's why I'm so passionate about it. Um, and when we talk about the normal life, I just mean, you know, a life without those resources, a life where, like we said before, you're the one kind of motivating yourself. You're the one, um, that is pushing yourself in daily life. And, you know, you, you do, you lose those teammates and you might still stay in touch, but it's just not quite the same. So a lot of times your job isn't sports anymore. Your job is to maybe sit at a desk or, you know, it, it just looks very, very different. So what pressures do former athletes feel? Like what, what are the main pressures? Yeah. So I think what I'm finding in research is that the main pressures are the pressure to maintain your athletic body. So the physique you had. Um, and I think that when you're given all these resources, you might not stress about the way your body is looking as much because if you're working out for hours on end every day, someone is preparing meals for you. Someone's giving snacks for you. Not to say that you don't have body issues because trust me, there are so many eating disorders in the athletic world, but those are heightened when you lose all those resources. And so it's like, shoot, I don't have a dietitian anymore. I don't have a trainer anymore. I don't have a strength performance coach to write a workout for me. I have to do all of that. Oh my gosh, how am I going to stay this size? And there are so many reasons, you know, that that happens. And it's, I think it's really important to point out that that's not the athlete's fault. You know, as a society, we have a lot of work to do there, but the pressure to maintain your size, which I felt that pressure for sure, personally, even being in dietetics, even being in exercise science. So I, I just think that that's something that I really had to work through was, you know what, my gene size went up, but that doesn't mean that I, my worth decreased, but I'm more comfortable in my clothes now. And so that's the first pressure. And then I think the second pressure is maintaining that athletic identity. So people are like, oh, well, Ellen, like I'm making this up, but you were a collegiate swimmer. You know, you can lift a lot or you can run for a long time or you can still swim. And it's like, well, actually I go to cycle bar now and I love yoga and I do bar. Like I can't swim the way I used to. And my, um, my lifts aren't as heavy. And sure, if I wanted to really focus on that, I could, but there's this pressure to like almost maintain this athletic ability. And that's just going to be really hard unless you're waking up and you're working out for hours on end and you're lifting and you're doing all the same things, which if you have a nine to five job, you can't do. So I, I really think that those, those are probably the top two that I've seen. And I've also dealt with, um, but you know, everyone is different and it gets really sports specific too. So if you were to ask, I'm I, like I said, I was a swimmer, but if you were to ask, I don't know, a football player or a basketball player, their answer might be entirely different too. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because my boyfriend right now, I know like I've mentioned him just on my Instagram and past yep. podcasts, but he plays baseball at UC and he's just trying to like right now the season is about to start. So he's been trying to eat a lot to just kind of like gain some weight yeah. and then wants to maintain weight through season. But he right. is always telling me, and I think it's interesting because it's not just girls that struggle from 
these feelings and thoughts around food. And he always brings up, he's like, I don't know how I'm going to eat like a normal person after I'm done with baseball. Like, how will I know? And he sometimes counts his calories. And he's like, I think I'm creating a really bad habit right now. I'm like, I don't want to I don't want to have to like count calories for the rest of my time after I'm an athlete. Absolutely. And you just like hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. It's, it takes time and it takes really listening to your body, which was another, is another great point. You don't really listen to your body as an athlete. Like I had never even heard of that as an athlete. I don't know how to listen to my body. Like, because even if I did, my coach is going to still tell me what to do. My trainer is going to still tell me what to do. So I might wake up and be like, ow, I feel so beyond exhausted and so sore. Well, it's like, who cares? You have to go get in the pool for two and a half hours. So it's almost like I've been conditioned and other athletes have to just turn that off because Mm -hmm. that's the only way you can get through it. But now I wake up and if I'm super, super sore and I can feel like an overuse injury flare up, then I sleep in or I do yoga. And that takes so much time just to learn how to listen to your body. It's like, we have to revert back to when we were toddlers or we were like in grade school and someone asked you like, Hey, how are you feeling? Like you really do have to kind of go backwards and learn how to ask yourself these like check-in questions. What, what would you say are the most challenging adjustments for athletes after they're done playing their sport? Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I I think that the biggest one that I've seen is just learning to accept your new lifestyle and your new body. So everything that comes with that, learning to accept that, like I said, you might need to go up in a pant size and that's okay because maybe you're healing. Maybe you really needed rest. So learning how to accept that rest and give yourself grace. That was the biggest thing for me. I, I felt the need to still be doing all these competitions and races. And I was thinking about signing up for a triathlon. I ran a half marathon and it was like, okay, I need to like take a week where I do yoga, stretch and sleep. Like our bodies have been going for so, so long. So learning how to accept and appreciate really your body and rest and just giving it grace. So like, I guess what I'm trying to say is just slowing down. Um, I think we all go, go, go all day long as athletes, but also just in society. So just taking like a day or two a week to chill out and not exercise, like, and realizing that nothing bad will come of it is really hard. So I think that's number one. And then number two, I think, like you said before with your boyfriend talking about how it's hard. You don't know how to listen to your body. You don't know how to intuitively eat, right? So for some people, I think that counting their calories, counting macros, whatever they do, it can work. I think for sure it can work for some people. I think for others, it can create a really bad habit, um, especially if you are someone that has had disordered eating in the past. Um, For me, I've really tapped into intuitive eating and hunger cues. So I think it takes a while for athletes to listen to their hunger cues, like Um, because I'm not hungry at five 30 in the morning and I never have been, but I had to eat before. So, right. I was practicing my practical hunger, but now if I wake up at seven and I'm like, I am so not hungry. Cool. Like I'll give it an hour and then I'll eat like, and that's fine. So yeah, I, I just think resting is hard. Slowing down is hard and just learning how to listen to your body and your body's hunger cues. Those, 
that sounds so easy, but it's so hard and takes so much time. It's not easy because I'm I'm currently just going through that process too. Yeah. Um, learning about nutrition in my classes and reading books, I'm sometimes I'm even like I'm not listening to my my body either. And I think that I really like the point you made about it's okay if you go up in a gene size because I mean, as as an athlete, you're you're exercising how many hours a day, how many days per week. Like maybe that's not the way you're meant to look for forever. If because exactly. you're not going to continue that exercise. Right. So gene size might not have been maintainable or healthy, you know, and I think a lot of people after sport, their body is just begging for rest. It's begging to put on a few pounds, right? It, I, I mean, just looking at pictures of my face, like I had these dark under eye bags. Um, I like had, my hair is so much thicker now. Like you can just tell I got healthier, um, and that's not to say that my athletic body didn't serve me well. I am so grateful for the amount of laps it let me swim. But this body will also serve me well. And I I can take things from athletics, right, and from what that body taught me and carry it into what this new body looks like. And I don't need to, like, say goodbye forever, if that makes sense. So that's that's another hard thing is letting go of your sport. And I think that grieving it is something that isn't really talked about, but Still to this day, when I was thinking about doing this podcast with you today, I was thinking back to my last day of conference and I I was starting to tear up and I was like, Ellen, like we're going (laughs) year three of being a former athlete, but it was the hardest day of probably of my life. It was like this thing that I gave 17 years of my life to was just over and it it's shocking. And I think for some people, they're like, I'm so ready to be done. And for others, it can be like just this, this smack in the face. So yeah, grieving that is something too that I would add on there. Kind of moving into that topic regarding like your experiences, mm-hmm. what negatives and positives did you encounter after you stopped swimming? Yeah. So I think just obviously, you know, everyone wants to have more free time. We're always like, well, when I'm free, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this hobby, or I really want to try this new restaurant. So just that's kind of at the surface level, but that was really fun because I could never go out on weekends with my friends in college ever. I, if you did, you paid for it. So (laughs) if it was a Friday night, you had practice and lift at 6am. So you really couldn't. And at that point, your body was so tired from a week of training, you just wanted to sleep. So it was fun. I got to finally go see restaurants and bars that my friends were talking about and just feel like a normal college student for a little bit. So that was really fun. Um, Another positive I think once I moved back to Cincy from Louisville was I got to really tap into like exercise that felt good for my body instead of being told like you will deadlift and then you will bench and then you're going to the pool. It was Mm -hmm. like, well, I want to take a break from Olympic lifting. Like I have overuse injuries. I'm trying to heal. So I got really into cycle bar. I got really into bar three. I got really into yoga um, I had a brief stunt of running, which, um, um, you know, I went straight into a half marathon when my swim season ended. I tried to be like this super athletic woman, which, you know, it was fun, but my body was begging for a break. So that's when I, I really got hit in the face and it was like, okay, Ellen, like your sport is over. 
you have overuse injuries you need to take care of. Maybe let's stop doing marathons for a second. So that's, that's when I really found, um, these things I look forward to, but yeah, I just think that looking for movement that feels good to you is so fun. And it might take a little bit. You might feel awkward at a few workout classes. You might not know what you're doing. Like I went to a dance class one time and like swimmers are known for being so uncoordinated. So I went in the back and like, it was so bad. And like thinking about it, I'm cringing so hard, but like I tried it. Right. And it was fun to just move my body in a new way. Um, and then I think, I think some negatives would just be how I really didn't think about it before it happened. And, and in research it's showing for sure. And it comes as no surprise that when you think about it proactively, when I say it, I mean your transition, it's really shown to be beneficial. So if you think about like, okay, my sport's going to end in a few weeks. This is what my schedule might look like. Um, I might need to start thinking about like meal preparation. I might need to just start thinking about grocery shopping. So just like bringing awareness to how your life is about to change can really help. And I really didn't. I was like, I'm so excited to stay up later. I'm so excited to not wake up at 530. Like I remember thinking like, how cool it was going to be to go to class with like dry hair. I mean, I was excited for like the smallest things, but yeah, it just really hit me in the face because I hadn't really prepared for it. And so then I was trying to juggle school and my thesis and being a GA, but then like behind the scenes, I was either eating not enough or I was eating too much. I was still trying to exercise hours on end or I didn't exercise for days on end. Like I just didn't have a consistent or set routine that felt good. So I wish I would have really thought about that a little bit more before my sport ended. So I'm a big advocate for like thinking about it, visualizing it, bringing awareness to it just so that it doesn't hit you in the face like it did for me. Can you talk about, cause I'm interested. Can yeah. you just talk about your experience? You said that you'd be like, really hungry. And then all of a sudden you like, couldn't eat anything. Just yeah. like how you figured yeah. out your whole into. Oh, absolutely. I, th I think that was the hardest part. And even to this day, like I just said, like I'm about to go into year three this month of being a former college athlete. And I say that 2021 was the year I figured it out. And I graduated in 2019. So, and I have a background in this. So that's, that just goes to show like, yes, knowledge does help, but like you really got to pay attention to your hunger cues, your life. Um, and in 2021, I finally felt at peace with my exercise and my eating habits. So in 2019, after I graduated, I ran a half marathon immediately and coming off of being a college athlete, it wasn't that hard because I was in such great shape. So yes, I trained, but it was fun but I still got to eat like an athlete because I was running like six miles to like nine miles a day. So I was still eating as if I was a swimmer and I was like, well, this is great. Like nothing's changing. Um, and then that summer I moved back home and I was like, well, now what? I don't have a goal. And you always have a goal as an athlete, or even if you're not an athlete and you just are a recreational fitness person, a lot of people, a lot of times have goals they're working towards. And I think that's great. But I didn't know what to do. So I just started doing like some circuits, some short runs and, you know, I was just being active, which I was okay with. But when that happened, I was like, well, with this decrease in activity, how much am I supposed to eat? And I was like, do I need to start measuring my food? And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I don't need to do that. But 
how do I know when I'm hungry? Like, yes, if my stomach growls, I'm going to eat. But portion wise, I had no idea what I was doing. Like no idea. And that is something that just took time. So I would start out eating a little bit less than I did when I was swimming for four hours a day and just honestly ask myself, are you okay? Are you energized? Are you hungry? And I would just ask myself the simplest questions. And that is how I got from there to now is just asking myself what felt good after I ate it. What didn't, was that enough? Was that not enough? And a lot of times it's harder than you think because I would be like, Oh, you know, a bowl of oatmeal in the morning, that'll get me through till lunchtime. Okay. Well I exercised before that. And then I went to school and I was running around and athletics that actually wasn't enough. So then I learned, I was like, you know what, let's like also pair some like turkey bacon and I don't know, some, a banana with that oatmeal. Like, and that's kind of how I've been doing it. It's just asking myself these questions and being really honest with myself. And it can be hard when, when you feel really full and you're like, shoot, I didn't need that much food. But I think the biggest thing to remember is that, okay, bring awareness to it. That happened. I didn't just instantly gain weight. Um, now I know I don't need however many scoops of rice. Maybe I was okay with a little bit less because now I feel so bloated and I feel so full. So I just think that asking yourself those questions and tapping into your hunger cues takes time and just really, really being honest with yourself and giving yourself so much grace is the best way to go about it. Yeah, I love that because I think that what you just said, almost everyone, everyone can relate to that. Oh, yeah. That was that was great. And I'm sure like someone listening to this will be able to to kind of get that out of this episode as well, um, even if they're not a former athlete. Oh, my gosh. Yes. What philosophies? Because I know you're going through this research now. Do you believe can help former athletes with that that transition? Yeah. So I think it's really I, I consider myself in dietetics to be like a very conservative, sustainable kind of kind like I take that kind of approach when I think about food and exercise. If you can't sustain it and it's not something that um, you enjoy, then like I'm not about it. So I think that when life after sport, my philosophy is just one, give yourself grace. You're going to mess up. Um, you are going to overeat. You're going to undereat. That's okay. Be honest with yourself Two be okay with rest. And that is so much easier said than done. I was actually telling a a teammate the other day, I feel lazy. And she was like, didn't you go to school this morning? And don't you have to work tonight? And didn't you just go on a walk? And I was like, yeah. But like, when you think about your schedule as an athlete, it was like blocked off hour by hour. And sometimes it is now, but sometimes it's not. And so I would also just say, them another philosophy is like rest doesn't equal laziness um and productivity does not equal worth <laughs> at all so you know you can still be on the right path you can still be doing a good job at at school at work and maybe not be a psycho and wake up at 4 a.m and go to bed at midnight and repeat like burning the candle at both ends is not going to end well so those lessons are things that I always tell athletes that are about to graduate and it's definitely my philosophy on it. And then lastly, I would say like, don't put a time cap on it. Like don't tell yourself, Oh, well in the next three months I'll have it figured out. Like I got it because if you don't, you're going to feel defeated and you're going to feel like you did something wrong. 
but you know, your body served you for so long as a former or as an athlete, as a collegiate athlete, and it will keep serving you again now. So it's going to look a little bit different in your day to day, but I am so proud of my body for showing up the way that it did for 17 years. And I, I just think, like I said, giving your body grace and just like thanking it for doing that. Like I, I can't even believe I was so hard on myself in college for not going a certain time or not performing how I wanted it to. Like it got me through it and I'm here and I'm healthy. And I just think that we all could say thank you a little bit more. Yeah. Giving yourself grace and just being like every time you exercise, you should just be thankful that like you're able to move your body in that way. And I love how you said like your exercise now looks totally different than it did when you were in school. And it's like, you just kind of find what works for you and what makes you feel good. And again, there's not a timeline to that. And I think that especially a lot of like type A athletes are like, I need goals. I need a timeline. Yeah. I thought I could just like write out structured workouts and I'd be good for life. Like, no, I'm about to do a yoga class after this. And that's my movement today. But then like in four months, maybe I will want to run, like run a half marathon. I don't know. So it, it definitely changes changes yeah and you just have to go with the flow with that (laughs) (laughs) what are a few tips I think this will be a nice little conclusion um to wrap up here yeah what are a few tips that you'd give to former athletes looking to make that transition yeah yeah definitely I actually just spoke to my former swim team about this a little bit I spoke to the girls about it and I I told them to proactively think about it. Like I've said, start now. Um, something I wish I would have done was physically write it out. So journal it out. You might start crying when you journal it out, but that's okay. Just go with it. Let it all out. Write down how you're feeling about your sport ending, write down what you're excited for, write down, um, what you will miss about it, write down what you've gained from it. Um, or say it to a friend, say it to a teammate, like be like, Hey, can we talk about this right now? Are you feeling this way? Um, for me, I like to write, so I, I wish I would have written it all out and it's also kind of cool to look back on, you know, like that would have been really neat for me to look back on, um, and to just see, you know, how far I've come. Um, I think you can also take some time and think about how much your sport has given you and then how you're going to channel that and take that with you into like quote unquote retirement. So for me, I feel like I became more of a leader. I feel like I, um, really gained a lot of self-confidence just in my abilities in and out of the pool through my sport. And so I took that and I really channeled that into my job as a grad assistant in athletics. And like, I think it's easy to doubt yourself, but I took what I learned from my sport. I took that confidence and I was like, no, I can do this. Like I just swam for 17 years. Yeah, I can do this. Like I can work an eight hour hospital shift and then I can go do this. Like I got this. So figure out what you really got from your sport and how you can take that with you. And I think that helps you still feel like an athlete um, at the same time. And then I would also say to find your new team. So, I mean, we all have like little teams around us. Like you said that you're not a college athlete, but I'm sure you have your go-to people. Like if you need something, you know who you're going to reach out to. So You might need an RD. You might need the help of a psychiatrist. You might just need to talk to your former teammate on the phone. Heck, like I call my mom like four times a day sometimes. (laughs) Like you just (laughs) have to know your people and 
tell them, be like, Hey, this, I'm a little worried about this, or I think that I might need some support here. Like let them know because now you're the advocate for yourself. And that's a big change because before you had a dietitian, a trainer, a coach, even teammates advocating for you. And now you are your own biggest advocate. And that's a very empowering thing, but can also be very scary. So I just think that asking for help is something that you shouldn't be ashamed of. Like your people want you to thrive. Everyone wants you to do well and they don't know that you need help unless you, you know, tell them. So that's something that I would add to. I think a lot of people are scared to get help or feel like it's the weak thing to do or, you know, I'm stronger than this. I can figure it out myself when in reality, like the best thing you can do is help. That's crazy, especially for a former athlete, because think of all the help that we had in our sport. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Like, we we would go to our trainers and ask for ice baths, modalities, like anything. Go to our coach and ask for separate workouts. And now suddenly, like, we're afraid to ask for help. It's like this stigma that we have to break. So I totally agree. For the longest time, you thought of yourself as an athlete and you still might. But that was your identity. Yeah. So what, what would you say is your identity now? Or like, how do you view yourself now that you're no longer a swimmer? I love, I love that question because I think that's probably the hardest, like the deepest one for people to think about. Um, and it's just easy, you know, like if someone says like, Hey Emily, like, what do you do? Like, what are you about? You're like, probably going to say like, Oh, I'm a dietetic student or at UC. Like that's, it's just easy to stay surface level. So I always said, yeah, like I'm a swimmer okay, you wake up early, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that just, the conversation went from there, but now I can't say that. So now I can say like, hi, I'm Ellen. Um, I, I really tapped into this a lot. I can say I'm a sister. I can say I'm a daughter. I can say I'm a friend. I can say that I'm a life after sport advocate. I can say like other hobbies. I can say, I love reading. I love trying new breweries. I'm someone that loves to go outside. I love being by water. And that question really forces you to think about things that are way deeper because yes, I was a swimmer and I still carry all the good and bad that comes with that, but I'm so much more, um, than just a swimmer. And I think that's limiting. You know what I mean? I think it's limiting to say I am just my sport. Like you are so much more than your sport But at the same time, you don't need to say, well, I'm not a swimmer anymore. I'm not an athlete anymore. Like if you still want to call yourself an athlete or feel like an athlete, that's okay. But just know that you are so much more than that too. Um, So yeah, those are some of the things I would probably say about myself. And it's still changing. I'm still figuring it out. Like I'm going to try some new things and new hobbies this year. So I might come back to you and have a totally (laughs) different answer. Like I don't really know. We're figuring it out as we go. But that's the fun part. So No, I love that. And I think that that's a great way to end this episode. And for like any athletes who are listening, like be proactive and start thinking about what you are outside or who you are outside of your sport because you're excited. Yeah. Yeah. Excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have personally learned a lot through this episode and talking with you because I, when I first reached out to you, I wasn't really familiar with the the life after sport. Like I I guess I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, and we're, we're studying this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think that it's really cool what you're doing and mm-hmm. 
I think that, you know, throughout your career, I'm really excited to see you help a lot of people and make, make a super large impact. And I know that for those who are listening now, like you've probably helped somebody. So I just wanted to, (laughs) I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on here. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um,